0: What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to chat with Reverend John of Reverend and the Makers over Zoom video. John was born and raised in Sheffield in England and talks about how he got into music. He really started his musical journey as a poet and a lyricist. He always loved writing. He started to learn guitar as more of a vehicle to write songs. He talked about the first bands he was in. He grew up with Alex Turner of Arctic Monkeys, actually lived with him, wrote songs with him. Alex Turner was in John's first band, so he talks about their relationship kind of growing up in the same scene in Sheffield. John gives the origin story of Reverend in the Makers talking about putting out their first records always wanting to stay independent. And John goes into detail about the new Reverend and the Makers album called Heat Wave in the Cold North. You can watch our interview with John on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five star review.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with Reverend and the Makers. Awesome. Well, I'm Adam. Nice to meet you, John. I appreciate you doing this today. And for uh, me. of course, this is about you and your journey in music. And we'll, I love the the 21 year old self song. It's um, incredible.
1: Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, bit of a emotional first time I've ever wrote a song and cried actually which is a bit of a wow bit of a weird one for me like I've I've never had that reaction to a song before but yeah love it mate. it's been received really well
0: yeah and I love the project you have going along with it with people writing their own letters to their 21 year old stuff I think that's such a cool concept
1: yeah I think like uh, it's a concept which I guess applies to everyone even my little boy wrote a letter to himself when he's in the future uh, 21, uh, and he's like, uh, dear Reggie, don't be Mardy, uh, don't drink too much, and uh, keep doing your art. Love from Reggie, age five. So, it's yeah. you know, it's, some, it's something that anyone can do. And we had a uh, kind of bit of a social art project, so obviously. We had letters from like crazy people. Um, Brian Eno wrote us a letter, uh, yeah. spice, you know, like mental people, you know.
0: That's so wow, that's so awesome, though. I mean, um, I was thinking because I've heard people doing that kind of in the reverse, like you were just saying, like you're five and you write it to yourself at 21, like kind of in the future, your future self, but never kind of the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, and I guess obviously you, 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 the reason, obviously, I spoke about the emotional side of it, but you, you think of things you, I guess, you tend to dwell on the mistakes more, right, or the things you you regret maybe, or we should never said that to them, or. That kind of thing, but in some way, it became like a also like instructional. So, like, there's things in there like be kinder to yourself, yeah. Know your worth, you know, sort of affirmations, things that you know. Maybe at 21, you maybe I would have really liked to have heard. Although, maybe there's a chance that I would have thought like 41 year old me was an idiot when I was. 12, <laughs> you know, what I mean, there's every chance.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's cool, and and lyrically, it like I said before it's just such an incredible song some of the lines in it i are so good because it's like stuff that i have always heard like say yes to everything and you're like don't say yes to everything it's like know your worth type deal instead of just like just say yes to some you know stupid bullshit thing even though it it possibly could lead to something but i love your you know kind of uh angle yeah
1: i think um i also managed to get in um imagining the hubris and I, if i managing to get hubris into a song,
0: I oh,
1: sent yeah, s- it to Noel Gallagher actually. And he, he was like, uh, really liked the lyrics. He said, I'm impressed. You've managed to get hubris in a song. So it's, so it's a real achievement to get like, um, a word like that in, because it's not a word. I, I like them songs where like, uh, Leonard Cohen's really good at that. Like he, he have like a word that you don't normally hear in a song. And you're like, it sort of makes you go like, Whoa, what, what, what did you just say? You know what I mean? It sort of jars a little bit. Um, but no, I'm, I'm pleased with the words and all of this, uh, all of this album, I've really sort of gone in on it, on the lyrical side on this record. Um, there's a lot of lyrics. Like when I, you know, like you come to do the label copy for the inlay of the sleeve. And I was like, fucking hell, this is taking me a long time. Like I (laughs) got a lot lot of words to get out, you know?
0: Yeah. No, it's super creative. Yeah. Hooper. I had to actually Google that one. I'm like, what is, I like, I knew, I've heard the word, but I'm like, what? I couldn't remember like really what it meant, but it, it's so perfect for exactly what you're saying in the lyric that yeah, you just cut down age. all the, like the, the explanation of it. Cause it's just like, this is it.
1: Yeah. I think especially at that age, you know, when you, when you're in your early twenties, like me, I was full of it. You know, I'm in a band, I think I'm sort of God's gift to mankind. You know right. what I mean? i really, I'm like full of it. And, and then you see the sort of, I mean, I've been a musician 20 years now, so you see the sort of down as well. My career is a bit U-shaped, right, in every way. Mm. And the minute when it sort of <clears throat> goes, starts going wrong and bad things happen and, and all this sort of thing, and the, re- the wheels come off, you kind of, you you think, yeah, that's what it was, it was hubris, because because I guess, yeah, you, when you're riding that, that, you don't, yeah, so, yeah, you don't have to think you don't ever think you can have them bad times
0: right it's like I'm killing it this is yeah there's no way that this is going to go away or this is no way that this is going to come crashing down
1: and like I don't care who you are like even if you're James Brown or like Aretha Franklin or someone you've had some bad times you know what right. I mean it's not there's this sort of there's this idea about musicians that we sort of float around on a cloud and everything's amazing all the time <laughs> but it's obviously not you know it's like there's loads of bad things happen
0: yeah well, I yeah, I think it's such a cool song and, and an oh, awesome me, concept, plenty. and I loved reading the Instagram posts of other people submitting their you know letters to their twenty-one year old selves. I was like, wow, this is really inspiring. Some um, of
1: those, some of those were very, very evocative and emotional as well. I mean, Rowetta from the Happy Mondays were talking about like um, being a single mother in a in a home for women and all this stuff, like really like deep stuff, you know, and then. Other people's are just really funny. Like my manager wrote one, and he's like, um, "Dear Matt, um, you're fucking awesome." And no, you can't borrow five hundred quid, something like that. <laughs> that really, you know what I
0: mean? Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, again, I, 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 yeah, I love it. I love what you're doing, obviously, and I can't wait to hear about your career. And so wait. you, so, so, talk to me. You're born and raised in Sheffield. Is that where? I mean, that's just where I read the band's kind of started in the origin. was yeah. that where you're from originally? No, I'm
1: a, I'm, I'm a Sheffield guy. Uh, obviously came through a, a scene that was most notable for obviously the, the rise of the Arctic Monkeys, but there were yeah. loads of bands at the time. This is kind of 20, getting on for 20 years ago now. Um, and I guess a lot of them bands have fallen by the wayside, um, apart from obviously the Monkeys and then to a much lesser degree also. But then there were like, it was a great time for music, you know, and there are this is a very musical city, Sheffield. Obviously, it's the, the where the British Electronica was born. Mm-hmm. Um and there's obviously bands like Cabaret Voltaire, Newman Lee, who are very important bands, and then there's also like a lyrical tradition that runs through as well. Obviously, Paul Jarvis Cocker, Richard Orley, Alex Turner. So the, we, we take the lyrics kind of serious in this city, you know. hmm No, yeah. Uh, but, it's a very creative place and you know it's a place where you can express yourself and even now like self-esteem it's doing really well bring me the horizon i in arenas there's a band called the rate and zero just got number one record so it's a real like fertile place for music you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i know i it's uh, the arctic monkeys were the band that I'd, i'd known from there and then when i started to kind of dive in a little bit on the other notable acts from the from the city i was like damn like this is really a lot of people came out of here
1: yeah man i mean the house where i live now next door is where me and alex from the arctic monkeys used to live together uh just as our bands were taking off um and historically you know a lot of people leave the city joe cocker went to america and mm. done his Woodstock thing and whatever else and then obviously a lot of pop stars through the 80s would leave the city but of, of late a lot of people either return or stay you know phil from the human league lives here richard wow. all is very successful from here he's just got a like a hit musical as well as being like a total legend so like you know it's it's um it's changing a bit now i think in like digital times it used to be like record industries in london you've got to go down with your little begging box right. like can you sign me mister you know what? i've got a tape. <laughs> you know what i mean whereas yeah. i think like nowadays you can you can just you can live anywhere so people live here and it's cheap and it's like, there's a lot of ex-industrial land, right? So it's got a kind of, I guess how would you say stateside, like a bit of a Detroit, Philly kind of thing. So there's a lot of industrial land. Mm-hmm. And that means there's places where you can make music and make a racket because there's all these old factories, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Jarvis Cocker has this theory that our music is higher, the bass is higher in our music because all of our rehearsal rooms and studios are next to steel factories and because you can't hear yourself you would always have to turn up the bass to drown out the machines and the forge
0: interesting
1: yeah so like definitely my music is like the bass is always like a db louder than other people's records Mm -hmm. i find like indie music really tinny like guitar indie music i'm like where's the bass
0: yeah, so I yeah, it's definitely, I, I can hear that as well. Like, uh, yeah, it's more guitar heavy. You don't really have that driving bass, which you have. And obviously in, in all of the songs, it's very. Yeah,
1: uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connection with also like um, ourselves and Düsseldorf and in Germany was where obviously they had the Kraftwerk and all this stuff. We had Cabaret Voltaire, but there's this like industrial electric connection between the two cities. Uh-huh. And you can definitely hear it, even in, like, the techno music. We had, this, we had this kind of music here in the 80s called bleak
0: music. Oh, I've heard of that. Like, I've, yeah, I forgot. What, I interviewed someone else that was talking about that scene. The bleak. Yeah, music. so,
1: obviously, in Manchester at the same time, they've got, like, piano house, and it was, like, really sort of quite poppy i guess and sheffield's thing's always been very mechanized very industrial very related to factory music and stuff i don't like it's um it really marks the city out that and the lyrics are the two things that i think mark the city out in a musical sense you know
0: mm-hmm. and do you come from a musical household like was that something that was you, you brought up with or were you brought up yeah
1: my mum's mu- in a thing what you would call a club turn in england so like you know like um I guess, like working men's clubs. She was in a band called the Scorpions, which is not the... Not the Winds Scorpions. Not, <laughs> imagine, imagine if my mum were in the Scorpions. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've it, I'm totally side, I'm totally sidetracking here, but have you heard the podcast uh, called Winds of Change where they're talking about the Scorpions being a CIA plan, and that, that the right. CIA wrote the tune in order to hasten the fall of communism in the Soviet mm-hmm. bloc?
0: Really? That's fascinating. Out, yeah, well, I'm going to type it in right now. What's it called?
1: Winds of Change. Winds of Change. And, you, and I initially thought that's got to be known. Well, the song, but think. there's a
0: podcast called Winds of Change?
1: Also, there's, The song's called Winds of Change, but the podcast is called Winds of Changes. Yeah, and there's a real precedent for it. So the CIA were using like Louis Armstrong and, and inadvertently Nina Simone in, in Africa during the Cold War to persuade African countries to come over to the yank side. So Whoa. it's like... A, it's a mental story, right? <laughs> um, anyway, my mum was in a club band called The Scorpions, no relation, okay. who I think were probably less successful, let's say. But music certainly was a thing growing up. My dad loves, like, Philly soul, so like Barry White and Delphonics and this kind of music. Mm-hmm. So we were always there. And I guess, weirdly, come full circle, in the, the title track of the album, Heatwave in a Cold North, is a little bit that, there's a bit of that feeling in there. So, yeah, you, it's funny where you pick up influence from, isn't it? You know, like things that are right in the peripheral back of your mind somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, because you can, I can kind of, I can, when you said that, thinking back to that song, it does, it, it it does, I can hear that, you know, kind of relation.
1: So I'd like to, I've got a bit of a thing about maybe I'm going to go to Philadelphia. I've got a, I've had, a, I've had like a, I don't want to say a hard on, but I've had a musical thing for philadelphia for a while and i feel like i need to go there on a bit of a recording homage and just do some stuff i reckon
0: yeah there's some i mean obviously amazing talent roots and g love is from philly and like there's a lot of cool sounds that kind of came out of philly
1: are any of the studios open you know from that sort of 70s philly soul period are any of the studios still there
0: i don't know that's a great question i i do not have any idea if that 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 is happening
1: maybe maybe some of the listeners maybe um might know but it'd be nice to uh to go over there i think because i, I don't know if it's a because i'm from sheffield but i'm always drawn to those cities you know those sort of less obvious places that i've got that musical strong musical tradition
0: yeah no i i i i'm interested now i should i'll I'll take a look and see i i don't yeah, know. know that's interesting yeah that's interesting um so what did you start off playing did you uh play piano at early age anything like that guitar
1: I guess for me it was like more the words, so I started out doing poetry and then sort of gradually just fell upon the acoustic guitar and 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 like I I wouldn't say that I'm much of a guitar I, I, I play the guitar in a way that enables me to write songs because my interest has always been about the communication
0: Mm.
1: Other than the kind of the, the musicality so much, it's been about like what I'm trying to impart in the message. So, I guess I started when I was doing the poetry and stuff. This is around the time of like maybe the Iraq War. Okay. Just coming out of university. Like early 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. So, I got a bit of a thing for doing poetry. And then I had this reverend moniker online a little bit. I got like a job for the Arctic Monkeys manager who was like, can you just write some stuff about them to like create some sort of story about them? Cause this is at this time they're like 16 and like never done anything. So he's like make, make up some bad story about them. Uh-huh. So I used to just make up prose for bits of prose for them, just do rap bits of rambling writing. <laughs> and I just fell upon, fell upon writing songs really. Um, this is around the same sort of time. I were in a band at time. And, um, yeah, just like, the the, the 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 instruments to me are a tool to get the songs. It's songs that I'm I'm obsessed with songs, and my enduring respect as a musician it always goes towards the songwriters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went to see Paul Simon on his last tour recently, and I'm like, forget everything else because he's a great musician and his lyrics are great, but the, the songs and and older I get, more I think about that. I feel feel like I don't know. We should treasure them people. And mm-hmm. people are to kind of three chords in the truth we're able to do that. It's like a. I always said there's like, there's them people and there's everyone else. Like, we're all muggles and the people who can do that are like magic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: No, yeah, yeah. I recently moved to Nashville and I seeing that here is so. Uh, it's like the, the amount of songwriters that you'll meet and hear the songs that they wrote, but they're not, you know, obviously the ones performing them. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, it, it just yeah. opened my eyes to the talent that some people have and they don't even like really recognize for it. in like the, you know, popularity, you know, sense of the uh, like, they're not the one singing it. So no one knows, Oh, that's the song that so-and-so wrote, but you know, you look at their resume, it's like insane.
1: Yeah. And I feel like as a songwriter, uh, I mean, I write for other people as well as myself. There's no like it defies science because you can quantify music to science on some level, Right, the, song thing, the, the, the 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 bringing into existence something that didn't previously exist, mm-hmm. is like some sort of conjuring, conjuring up some magic, isn't it? You know, and I, like, yeah, I think that's amazing. Can I ask you a question about Nashville? While I were here? Yeah, of course. So, so I've I've got this thing that I do. I've got two things I do. I, one, I go off the edge of the stage with my guitar into the crowd after my gigs, and I always have done. And the other thing I do is I do gigs in people's houses. And oh, someone wow. said to me. Someone said to me, this tradition, and now weirdly, some young bands have started doing the same thing. And they're all like, yeah, we love what John did. We want to do it, which is amazing. Um, and there's this little, I don't want to say it's a scene, but there's a little vibe of people who do house gigs. And someone said to me recently that this is a thing that happens in Nashville.
0: I've heard of artists doing that, yeah. Where they'll like, they'll play a party, right? And like, or they'll play at someone's house for. Oh, that's so cool. Hop- you can, like, hire them out. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't know. I recently... I I remember that being kind of a thing that started in, like, especially when the pandemic happened. Like, artists were going, like, on Patreon or going on their Instagram and saying, like, if you want me to come play, like... Oh, that's there was really all cool. those restrictions. Yeah, and then it, it became, like, a thing. I I wish I could... You know the band, or the I forgot his name. Jonah. he's one-line drawing was the band. Uh, he he's done that quite a bit.
1: Okay, I love that man. I think like it's funny how people have like come to the same conclusions, even though they're miles apart. Right? They end up doing a similar thing. Like,
0: yeah, that's really <laughs> cool. I love that. I've, you should come play my house.
1: <laughs> Next time I'm in Nashville, mate, you'll be the first one to knock for.
0: <laughs> you can even stay. <laughs>
1: yeah, no worries.
0: It's a deal. Uh, that's awesome. Um, wow. Okay. I was going to ask you, oh yeah, just real quick, uh, just because I'm curious. You said that you wrote kind of stories for the Arctic Monkeys because they were young and they didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, there really wasn't a story to tell. Did any of those stories that you wrote kind of like make it to the... Like Wikipedia style origin story that was to just the, all to the, to the folk,
1: oh, yeah, maybe like certainly my name because I used to sign it as Reverend. Um, <laughs> so like that's where that Reverend thing came from, but also like, um, feel like there was something to do with you know, he's got that line like a robot from 1984. I feel uh, like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, not that I came up with it, but it, I think like maybe I like took it and spun it in some way. Like, close the door, dude, I'm on a podcast. Like, uh, your, uh, you had a band Smile called
0: 1984,
1: I'm... too. Sorry, go ahead. Did I, I had a band called 1984, yeah. So we, we, me and the Arctic Monkeys were in a band together called Jude and Suke, which mm-hmm. is a karate movie. We were terrible. It's worth pointing out. And then we sort <laughs> of went off and they did their own thing. I had 1984, and then obviously this became like the reverend then when, when I sort of staged a, a coup and just took over the reins. I just wanted to be like on my own a bit. And eventually I got a band called The Makers, but it, originally The Rev was just like me and whoever I wanted to go in the studio with. Oh, uh, okay. And I guess in some ways that's carried on with this band. It's sort of, there's my wife in it and like my old friend from school, but really I've it's like an open relationship, so I can go and do whatever I want. Um, But yeah, th- I mean, I guess there's a lot of, overlap with us and the monkeys because like there's a song on one of their albums I wrote. Alex did a song with me on my album. So there's a there's a bit of crossover there, you know?
0: Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah, And you guys you live together, right? I mean he and you played in the band. I mean obviously growing up together that's gonna happen. I mean yeah
1: so it's it's obviously Sheffield's like um we say here if you kick one man then everybody limps. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like that.
1: That kind of um I guess, how, how would you describe it like a, a sort of, uh, they call it the biggest village in the world. I mean, you might say it's an incestuous place, but it's, it, it tends to be, especially in the musical community. This is maybe similar to Nashville. People know each other, right? You're just mm-hmm. You're all in some way intertwined, and such and such used to play in that band, and they used to play with them. And it's a little bit kind of like we've all got six fingers, you know what I'm saying?
0: Summertime is here. The kids are off school, which is great for them. They get to relax, see their friends, go to camps, but that also means, as the parent, even more responsibility. Because not only there's work, but then, you know, there's driving to this camp or having this person over. It, it, it just a lot, a lot goes on during the summertime. And that's where HelloFresh comes in huge for me and my family. You get farm fresh, pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Our family's been using HelloFresh for well over a year now. And this summer, HelloFresh has already taken a massive weight off of my family's shoulders. Spend less time meal planning. We know what we're going to have. HelloFresh shows up on a Wednesday every week. We know it's going to be there, which is amazing. No meal planning and no prepping. Pre-portioned ingredients that make it easy to get cooking quickly. It's like we're going to the pool and coming home and it's already late. It's like, what are we having for dinner? Oh, HelloFresh. Last night, made the caramelized onion Swiss burgers. It had roasted garlic, horseradish, aioli, some potato wedges, came on a potato bun. My family loved it. Kids loved it. Wife loved it. Had the whole meal done. Prepped everything. 30 minutes. Huge hit at our house. Another thing I love about HelloFresh is that it's more convenient than grocery shopping. That's one thing I am awful at. I'll go to the grocery store, I'll look around the whole place, take like an hour and a half, throw a bunch of stuff in my car, get home, and still have no idea what I'm going to cook for dinner. So not only is HelloFresh more convenient than grocery shopping, but it's also cheaper. Did you know it's cheaper? 25% less expensive than takeout. Go to hellofresh.com slash backwards16. Use the code word backwards16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping hellofresh.com slash backwards 16 use the code backwards 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping once again backwards 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping hellofresh america's number one meal kit i mean it's like with even with podcasts other podcasters have people on theirs, and it's kind of like you're sharing a pool of of people just that collaboration is awesome.
1: I mean, what what sort of is the difference, I guess, is that, that they went on to become like the biggest band anyway, right? Oh well, yeah, they're so
0: massive, obviously.
1: It becomes very difficult to like measure anything you do at the side of that, because there's like the rest of us who all do well, we're successful, everything's cool, but then one of that one of them bands has just become so massive. Um, and it's been amazing to watch really because they because they've continued to, to be great musicians and Whatever else. And there's a there's a bunch of you know, there's a bunch of bands like also from this city, like Bring Me the Horizon are getting like ridiculously oh, big. Huge,
0: now. yeah. I didn't realise that they're from there until I looked at until I was kind of researching the city.
1: Yeah, you know, like and obviously self-esteem. I don't know if how she's doing stateside, but certainly in the UK she's getting real big. Um, like I said, Raytons is a band got they're gonna play the arena here. They got number wow. one album. So yeah i don't know what everyone i don't know what it is about sheffield i mean we, we the people joke that there's something in the water right mm. we, but there, there really is like a a thing here and i guess in terms of the indie music especially there's like a i saw someone likening it to country recently in so much as like um, maybe the metropolitan people brown on it in some way but ordinary working people they love it and me, I'm very much of that indie tradition where I come from, right? And where the music comes from. Um, and it's people love it. They love it. It's like the biggest form of music. People just, they love it. It speaks to them in a way that I guess other forms of music doesn't, you know. And it's it's great. I love it. Long may yeah. continue. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously Arctic Monkeys were successful, but y- you and your band were t- right there as well I, I i was reading something where they you got offered a bunch of money from a, a major label and you're like no thanks <laughs> maybe no, that's I mean, just I've a folklore story
1: <laughs> i've always done yeah i mean i've always done things very much on my own terms there's a there's a there's a real kind of political belief system i'm I'm obviously known for my association with jeremy corbin in the uk which is like for people who don't know the uk political scene he's like the kind of bernie guy right he's like the bernie sanders
0: oh, okay sure
1: and me I, I introduced him on stage and like this song kind of started when i got him on stage at this football stadium and then sort of we played a gig for him and he came to watch us so there's a bit of that stuff so the belief in like uh, not selling out and having kind of an ethic to it and and there being a message in not so much this new album there's not so much politics in there but like historically i've made quite a few political records you know and i've, I've I feel very proud that I've never like capitulated too much to kind of the man. You know what I mean? I've always done it pretty much on my own terms. And that's why I like remained in the city. Cause I feel like it's important to stay here and, you know, to stand for something that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at.
0: I love that though. That's it's, it's definitely something that's, that's, uh, Progressively died out, right? Because I remember in my growing up and when like Green Day signed to a major label and and Dookie came out, I was like, oh, like sellout band. Like it was just like that was like the worst thing to be labeled. If you were a sellout, like your life was. Your you know people just had this distinct like hate for the band or whatever. Although ninety percent of people that weren't in the scene didn't give a shit because they're like, oh, this is a great record, whatever. Yeah, or they had heard of them before, but like now it's people i feel like kids and 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 everyone just going online trying for that they want that viral moment they want that sellout to happen and it's it's just (laughs) such a 180 from in the the mid 90s
1: i think it's that old school sort of being super kind of principled about things even like doing stuff with brands you know like that would have been like an anathema years ago. Like, yeah, I like, oh, right. i never like no logos. You cover them up. We used to like sell a tape our logos up. You know, like stuff like this. Yeah, and then and then like, you know, years later, people are like, check out my new shoe range. And it's like you say, as times have changed. You know, equally, I think that I think within that you can have a set of values. There's a bunch of artists, even young artists. You know, you can you can have your principles and a set of beliefs that. I mean you don't have to be fugazi you know what i mean you can you can, <laughs> right. you can you can like you can keep you can have you can be a pop star and and still have beliefs you know what i mean so i think people do do it and you can do it well and that's it's, it's encouraging actually to see young artists coming through and they're talking about some some cool stuff and i think maybe we need a little bit of that in the world right now you know mm-hmm.
0: No, I completely agree with you, and it's cool to see artists that will do like what you've done and built a career and been able to do this for twenty years and live a life where you know you don't have to answer to someone or wait on putting a song out or doing this or that or the other thing because it's you just do your thing and you've yeah, set it up I've, like that.
1: I've had same manager for like a, for a really long time, which I think helps. There's a consistency there, but also like what's weird now is you're getting like young bands who come through and they play like I said they play in house gigs which is a thing I've always done but also like I see them like covering me songs and oh, even cool. in even in interviews they're like oh I love John and I'm like when did I get to be this guy like I'm in my head I'm like well, fucking hell this is like and equally I think of like the way my music I don't want to say heroes because I don't think I'm their hero but you know people have looked up to musically let's say the vast majority of them have been very good to me, and in, so in that way, I, I think we're in a we're in a tradition here. Going back to that magic and muggles thing, we're magicians, right? So we have to we have to take that baton and pass it on, and 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 use it in a responsible way, and, and encourage because a lot of musicians they get to they want to pull the ladder up behind them, they want to everything that comes after them's dismiss everything. <laughs> they like they invented right. the wheel or something, right? And it's like, come on, man once you were that kid who, who's this goes back to that 21 year old self thing where we started really. Mm-hmm. Once I was that 21 year old kid, I'm looking up to whoever wanting to start wanting to be a music guy, all that stuff. You've got to, you've got to show the love to the youth. I think.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, pull the, the, pull the ladder up from behind you. Cause that's so true. Like uh, especially when you're first going, it's like, no, I don't want anyone else to, you know, basically knock me off the, where i'm at so i'm gonna make sure that you have no opportunity to do it Yeah, if somebody asks you for advice or something you're not gonna give them the straight answer because it's like well what if they contact the person that i just talked talked about and then i get you know pushed off to the you know sidelines or whatever
1: well as you get older you realize the strength in unity right the strength Mm -hmm. in in having a shared purpose with other people the strength in looking like you're part of a wider thing because you just try and do everything on your own in isolation it becomes a very lonely thing it's like climbing a mountain on your own and you turn around to like say what a lovely view and there's no one else there so you might you know that thing about if a tree falls in the wood, right yeah what's the point if everyone thinks you're a dickhead what's the point in being a superstar
0: right you know what i mean yeah yeah i love that. that yeah so true, because I've I've was I've struggled with that all the way through my mid thirties. Like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to divulge too much information to these people that want to possibly take my job. Yeah, because I was on terrestrial radio for oh, nearly twenty years, and it was like if yeah. I start, people would ask me, "Oh, can you, you know, get me in contact with your, you know, the GM at the station or your PD or, or your program director or whatever?" And it was like I never really wanted to because I'm like, well. What if i hand them the thing and then they go oh we're gonna reach out to this person and then they're gonna take a you know maybe they'll agree to half the money that they pay me and they're like all right see you later you know what i mean there's always just like yeah. my mind's already going to the worst scenario when in re- reality i shouldn't have even thought that way
1: i think there's something about the entertainment industries in general that like almost the game set up to make its contestants cannibalize each other. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I
0: mean? <laughs> like, That's go so on, true. Like the, the
1: Hunger Games or something. Like, go on, <laughs> then, fight. Do you know what right. I mean? And, and it's, it, it shouldn't be like that, really. It should be a union, shouldn't it? You know, it should be yeah. a kind of community. <laughs> yeah, people. Because
0: right. if are, everyone's going, if everyone lifts each other up, then everyone's, you know, there's always that. Everyone's going up instead of yeah. one person shooting up to the top and everyone else is down there trying to grab the there ladder you you're pulling up there iron. you go man <laughs> well i want to talk to you about this new album okay so so you've put out what two or three songs or three songs i think from the album so far uh we're doing
1: like three proper singles and then one i guess you would have called it a b-side in the old days so four technically yeah
0: okay so yeah, problems oh yeah high you put out high so high problems and the one we were chatting about earlier a letter to my 21 self and then the title of the record is he way in the in the cold north that's right okay so uh when did you start working on this album
1: maybe like 18 months ago now something like that i feel like i want to say but the 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 majority of it my friend dan who he lives in wales he comes and lives in my shed in the back garden Mm -hmm. and uh we were writing it It was like a full-on eat wave we were like sat in our pants um which is that would be like trousers in America, wouldn't it? like sat in our underwear um, writing this album, right? We're sweating and shit. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> whoa, and we were just weirdly, you're talking about terrestrial radio. We were, we were, it was like, what would you say if you were on like a really like a radio station in like Cali or somewhere? And I went, there's a heat wave in the cold north. Like doing like a kind
0: of,
1: <laughs> a, this is like DJ voice, right? Yeah. He, that's he where
0: like, I was a DJ in California.
1: <laughs> there you go, right? So he's like, Dan's like, that's good, you know? So then he started to like put melody to it. We'd already got the music, right? He's like putting a bit of melody in and he's like, come on, do the verses because that's, that's catchy as fuck. So that's just where it came from, I guess. And then the... The album artwork, the, the record label was like, how are you going to heat wave in the cold north? It was like Sheffield's the cold north, right? The factories and the, the cold. They were like, what's going to be the heat wave? And I'm like, I don't know. They were like, what you need son is a camel. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they got me a camel. So it's like me outside our practice room, which is an old steel factory. Oh, and it's me, wow. old, me holding a camel.
0: Yeah, um, I saw that. I was wondering, so the, that's a legit camel that you're holding. I don't know if it was like some sort of like uh, Photoshop uh, magic.
1: No, it's from one of the oldest circus companies in in England. Like not Mr. <laughs> Kite, but you know, like something like this. Um, he's a real camel. I was actually walking him down a street in Sheffield um, <laughs> when I found out that like, the queen had died, which I think it's what she oh, wow. wanted. It's what she'd have I, wanted.
0: I think so. I'm surprised they didn't ask you to bring the camel too.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know the, what I mean? Yeah. Well,
0: ceremony—he's
1: he actually a bit of a celebrity camel. He's been on television a bunch. Actually, he's, he's arguably more well known than I am. <laughs> um, someone said to me the other day, "Put Channel Four on," so puts it on, and there he is. Um, and I have to say, camels are op- often wankers, right? They're often dickheads. Camels, yeah. Uh, but he was lovely. He's—he's he's like real, real sweetheart. <laughs>
0: it's a really creative uh i can't imagine people or just you walking down the street and people just looking out the window like what the hell there's a camel
1: yeah. outside I think, that, I think there was a few people like rubbing their eyes but they were tripping you know they're like what what <laughs> it i like. i think it's sometimes good to a bit of chaos is good sometimes you know
0: yeah you said that this album is uh not as what like politically focused is that what you said earlier something about yeah uh, i think
1: i think is it Chuck D said that thing about entertainment, right? He said you've got to educate people and mm-hmm. give them what you think to be the truth, but also you've got to entertain them. And I think sometimes I've maybe been the wrong side of that line at times either way. Uh, and I just, I kind of did just thought I'm just going to leave. But it's been a very bruising time here politically, for, especially for anybody who's of the left. We've mm-hmm. we got hammered, right? So I think sometimes you just got to put politics down because otherwise it becomes. Physically and emotionally just like a lot, you know what I mean? I invested a lot of myself into the Corbyn thing and I thought I just need to, you know, I don't I don't, I don't want it to define me. There's all this like Billy Bragg and you can't imagine him without the politics, you know, a, a Rage Against the Machine. The, the politics mm-hmm. is so like in tr- enshrined in a mute and I don't want, much as I love both of them artists, I don't want to be that kind of artist. You know, I feel like, I, I read a Bob Dylan quote somewhere and he was like, love. Is equally as valid as politics. And this is a guy who's wrote Masters of War. And you know what I mean? All along the Watchtower, right? Like you, you sometimes have to give some credence to other emotions in your in your head. And I guess this is coming out of COVID now. So this put a real strain on my marriage to my wife because um she's also in the band, founder member of the band. Uh we got we weren't together when the band started. We got together halfway through or part of the way through. Covid put a real strain on the marriage where, where good is gold now, but was difficult. So there's a lot of them kind of themes, you know, a lot, of, a lot of, there's a song called overthinking because I have a, like a generalized anxiety thing that I've had for a long, long, long time. So it's me. There's a lot of kind of mental health things where I'm leaning on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of being, I guess, a bit more introspective rather than it being a social commentary thing or a political thing or a hedonistic thing. I'm kind of turned the lens inward a bit on this album, um, and I think it's good for it. You know, I don't, I don't believe in making the same record twice. You should always move right, Whatever, wherever you're at at that time. It's like a, a little snapshot of where you are in your life, and um, right now, that's where it is. I think.
0: Was there like a a song that you wrote or? kind of a moment that you realize that you're kind of doing that as far as like writing more introspective and and doing kind of more of a self reflection while you were writing these songs that you're like, oh, wow, there's kind of a more of a theme here than I anticipated.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's one called uh, you don't love me. And it's like, uh, I guess it's a moment of, you know, you went kind of row with your partner, you argue with your partner, and then you go away and you're a bit bruised by some stuff they've said or that you've said to each other. Mm-hmm. and you have that like do you, do you even love me and it, i guess it's one of the like straightest things i've ever done it's like a paul mccartney like even adele it's like piano vocal it's really straight you're like i don't even want to say mor but it's like it's like that it's like elton john or something do you know what i'm saying it's a really yeah. straight song and because i was just doing the words and like me and dan had got it open we've got a melody and he'd like you've got the chords going on and i'm i'm just. And yeah, it's like really about as raw as it gets, I think, emotionally. And I'm like, whoa, really went there. And I played it to my wife and she was like visibly upset by the song. Um, yeah. Not in a sort of, I hate you, but like, oh God, you know, like so, songwriters have this thing where they can communicate, but I could tell her how I felt better in a song than I could if I said it, which is right. probably an emotional failing in me in some way. But like, she's like, whoa, that's how you feel. You know what I mean? And and it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing that sometimes you have to... I think that's why a lot of a lot of sort of... Uh, sorry, just give me one second. My lad is making... He's, my brother's here and they're having like a wrestle and they're making oh. like loads and i Just one second. Oh, no Lads. worries. Chris! Oh, I'm on a podcast, man. i him telling him to be quiet. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, the sorry, beauty my little... My, of, my, of, my littlest one is back now so they're having like a three-way fight in, the, in a big wrestle match. I think they're like doing... Bit of WWE. oh I have two I
0: have two of myself and the seven or seven on Sunday and fifteen and they just constantly yeah, you know, fighting. You know, the seven year old right. picks fights all the time. That's all it is. It's him just picking a fight with the older one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I get um, it. Um, what was I telling you about? About emotional right when I went oh, the that, song
0: for you, you played it for your wife.
1: Yeah, so there's that one that I mean this one overthinking as well. There's, there's like a, a thing, and I'm like I have this thing with anxiety where I'll like, uh, especially if it's late at night and I'm like watching the news and maybe if I'm stunned or something and like, uh, you know, like a meteorite would hit the earth. This is one of the lyrics, right? And me, I'll catastrophize something. So this thing I've watched at like 2 a.m. on the news. By like 3 a.m., I'm like, shit, we're all going to die. Only for, it's you a fleeting time, thing. Yeah. It's a fleeting thing, right? It's a fleeting thing. Beer, but for, yeah. I, I have, like, this, is, this will induce a panic attack. Even though I know, like, because because it's sort of in some way unknowable because I don't know much about astronomy or whatever, I'm like, oh my god! So I wanted to write a song about that because them them things you don't tell people, right? Because they're kind of shameful and, and not shameful, but you you feel they're shameful. You feel fear people's ridicule if you, if you talk about them. Um, and rather than like put it into a therapy session or something, I'm like, right, I'm gonna just write a song about it. And I think music, for a lot of people, certainly for me, it's a it, it, it's, it's a cheesy thing to say, right? But it's therapeutic. I, I feel like if I couldn't do that, I couldn't exercise that part of my brain, and maybe I'd go mad. And a doctor actually once told me, he said, you know, as that part of your brain where you've invented something that didn't previously exist to worry about is the same part of the brain where the song comes from? Because it's the summoning, summoning something up out of nowhere and, and and obsessing about it and a song that's what a song is it, it comes out of nowhere and then you, you've got to sort of think you've got to i've got to think about this because something's compelling me to think about it and there it is and the anxiety is often the same you know it's like um, a fear that becomes sort of manifest almost physically you know you almost feel it in your chest
0: mm-hmm.
1: the same same part of your brain apparently
0: that's really interesting. I did not know that. I also suffer from you know, anxiety and all, and all that fun stuff as well. Uh, but I didn't realize that if you think about it, though, that's so true because you're creating something out of nothing. Yeah. Even like goes back to what you said earlier about music, just the fact in songwriters, the fact that you could go into a room and leave with something that's never been made before, right? Mm. Like music, <laughs> lyrics and melodies that have never, ever been played at 40 minutes prior or whatever, you know, however long it took to write the song just wow i mean
1: that's why i find ai interesting is is uh i did some work with the university of sheffield and, and brian eno actually and there's a band called the old cni the guy called dean down the road who we've done this thing with ai music oh, and we were saying like the real exciting thing about ai is not um is not in the duplicate and there's this thing now called aisis where they've done oasis songs as ai and they've even
0: got no the way yeah, it's a bit... I need to look that up. That's crazy. Check it out,
1: right? But I think the exciting thing about AI is in the the possibility, and this is what's exciting about songwriters or artists or novelists, is in the possibility that you can go in a room one day and come up with something completely new that no one's ever seen or heard before, and it blow everyone's mind. Uh, and, and I guess in a, in a neural network AI sense, you're looking for a happy accident, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's Donna Summer's guys putting the tune into Marauder's machine and techno being born. You're looking for that eureka moment, right? And I think um, that's what makes songwriters, for me, so exciting as people. And the way I'm obsessed with songs is, is that thing of like, you know, you hear, I don't know you. You like I talked about Paul Simon earlier, but if you heard the sound of silence. Uh-huh. the fact that like a fellow just went in a room one day with a guitar sat down and that's what happened is is like a miracle
0: it's yeah it's wild if you think that's, yeah some of these big the biggest songs on the planet and you're like somebody literally went in and created that and you know no one had ever heard it they wrote this thing put it on a record and then it now it's it is what it is like sound but you know that fast. thing
1: about um mccartney when he wrote yesterday and he's like convinced he's dreamt it and he woke up he's like right i've got a good got a good guitar or piano whatever it were Guitar, yeah. i think i have to pick guitar up and it just boom it just fell out like as long as he and he was convinced it was someone else's song like it, it's like it came too easily like it just happened like i've had that with certain songs there's certain songs on this album where i've just once we've got the word, once the, I stop, once I get one word, the, 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 the song's just. And it's like, McCartney apparently was like playing it to everyone. in his life. Have you ever heard this before? Because, like, it's got to be someone else's song, hasn't it? And yeah, all like he thought
0: that. he stole it from someone else.
1: Because it's that, it's all, I don't, I'm not religious. So I, I don't want to say it's descended from some higher, but there is a bit of that in the communion with some sort of higher forces aren't you at that point mccartney like how the fuck did you do it <laughs> yeah right.
0: right yeah and well yeah, that's i didn't i've never heard that story about yesterday that's really interesting yeah
1: it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's true apparently um wow. i did meet him once but i didn't
0: think to ask him um, oh i would i would yeah i would die happy if i ever met him i have i have, <laughs> I have actually i have actually peed next to him
1: and i was like no way well, we did we did this gig for Damon Albarn, right? And like he came and like jammed with us. He were amazing, and he were really cool. He were really nice to talk to, and like you wouldn't think he were Paul McCartney. Anyway, went in the toilet, and he were already in there. We're like stood at your idol, and like I'm like, shall I look? It's like a Beatles dick, man. What's <laughs> like? I'm like, no, nah, I can't look. I can't look, man. So I'm just I'm just like. It was the. It, I felt like I was pissing for like two hundred years though. You know because I had McCartney next to me. I'm like, oh my god, I'm having a piss next to
0: Paul McCartney, man. <laughs> <Beatles>. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, we've been
1: all over uh, the little
0: aren't we? Beatles' dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today, John. This has been so much fun. Oh, I've and enjoyed talking I, to you, man. And I lo- again, I. Do you have an a, a date on the album release?
1: Yeah, it's the 28th of April in the UK. I mean, we don't really do so well in the in the states, but I I would I would love to get over there and and do some do some shows over there because I think people might like it, you know.
0: Oh, it's all, Yeah, yeah. They would love it. Yes, the, the yeah. I love the songs that you have out now. Uh, even though, you know, prior everything you've been doing is incredible. I want to have you at my house for a house show. <laughs> we'll get the neighborhood around. So as as I'm going to do <laughs> it, yeah.
1: I'd love
0: uh, that. Yeah. I do have one more quick question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice it, for aspiring artists.
1: My advice for aspiring artists is to only promote yourself when you and everybody around you thinks you are ready to be promoted. Cause I feel like people, especially now because the onus is on artists to, to hide themselves and promote themselves. People go to that stage too soon. So, be in the studio be in the practice room be in the room with the instruments and the words and just get so good and then then press the button on promoting